Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jansen. My guest today is Scott Ginsburg, although some of you may just know him as the name tag guy. Hello, my name is guy, but uh, I got to tell you, he has got a great story. Some of you have heard him before on this podcast, uh, and he's going to share some great ideas with us today about ways to be interesting. And he's also got a new book coming out as well, and I'm hopeful that he will share some information about it too. So welcome, Scott. Hey, what's happening, John? So what do you got going on in name tag world? Let's just get an update. I know that by the time people listen to this, uh, this will be a little bit uh, old, but um, in terms of number of days, but I think it. I think it's great for people to hear your story. So have you got the five minute, five second version of this whole name tag thing and how many days and uh, share that uh, with us for you? All right, I'll give you the 10 second version and then I'll give you the one minute version. All right. All right, the 10 second version is, and prepare your stopwatches. Uh, I'm the only person in the world who wears a name tag 24 seven. I've been doing that for 3,026 days, which is just about nine years. And I've miraculously made a career of a writer on that uh, on that topic. There you go. Done. <laughs> All right. So if you go, if you go to hello, my name is Scott. Dot blogspot dot com. That's your blog. Uh, it's, uh, if you go, it's quicker just to go to hello, my name is blog dot com. Okay. Hello, my name is blog dot com. You'll see the the ticker that uh, by the time you listen to this, it will have ticked up uh, it, it, several more days at least. But uh, yeah. uh, but but let's go back to that point that the, sure. of that obviously wearing a name tag. Okay, that's cool or goofy or sick or you know whatever people's thinking now. Yeah. But but what has that actually meant or done or, or how has that manifest into a business? Well, I think that's the secret that uh, I've been sharing with people for you know over seven years now. You know, I started my company which is not surprisingly called Hello, My Name is Scott, uh, right out of college, right in 2002. And I had this idea for a book because, you know, I've always been a writer and I sort of had these funny stories of wearing a name tag every day and these adventures. And so I put it into a book and when the book came out, uh, I just, I got a lot of great media coverage. I don't know how it just sort of happened. It was this sort of remarkable idea that people remember from Seinfeld, although I never stole this idea from Seinfeld. It, It just, it had this sort of interestingness to it. What happened was, I slowly began to understand that a name tag isn't really a name tag. It's a symbol of approachability. It's a symbol of, as I call it, sticking yourself out there. And so what has transpired since then, I continue to write and to explore my uh, expertise and to grow and to start traveling around and sharing my experiences essentially with what does it mean to be approachable, why as business people do we need to be approachable, and what happens when we do. Because essentially, when you are approachable, when you are interesting, when you are sticking yourself out there, you, you get noticed, you get remembered, and you get business, which is kind of cool. So the amazing thing is not that I wear a name tag every day. The amazing thing is that I've made a career as a writer, speaker, consultant, and entrepreneur out of wearing a name tag. Well, and, and I think, at least you're my favorite, if not you know the world's favorite example of, of a marketing lesson that I say is, is not only fundamental, it's, it's just essential that you do this, that you've absolutely, I believe as a small business owner, have to find a way to differentiate yourself from everybody else that, that says they are doing what you are doing. And, and a lot of times that involves, if you want to do it well, or if you want to do it in a way that gets noticed, sticking yourself out there. And, and you I think to. you've got a great example of that. 
You have to. You've got to stick yourself out there. And you know, when I say stick yourself out there, um, I, I mean that in the in the most non-motivational, you can do it, fluffy kind of way. I mean, I literally, you you stick yourself out there, whether it's with your ideas, with your creativity, with your blog, um, you know, physically in person. You know, there's, there's ways you can stick yourself out there. Well, and, sure. I mean, it could be it could be the way you. Pa- I mean, a lot of this stick yourself out there means counter to what everybody else is doing. So in that in your yeah, industry, yeah. that may mean packaging differently, pricing differently, guaranteeing differently. It doesn't have to be something that people go, whoa, that is just like so out there. Right. It doesn't have to be crazy. It's just something you have to sort of ask yourself. There's a key question. You ask yourself, what is it that everybody who does what I do always does? And then you just sort of do the opposite. Yeah, or, what, well, what holds people back from doing that, though? I mean, why, if it's it, that it's, easy, well, <laughs> right? Right. It, it, it's, it's, it sounds easy, but it's not because you're essentially you're getting out of your comfort zone, and that's what's challenging for people. And the cool thing about wearing a name tag every day is that essentially, although I've been doing it for nine years, it forces me to kind of be out of my comfort zone every single day. Yeah, because I'm sure that, that, that you walk into a restaurant some days and somebody goes, Oh, yeah. Hey, idiot, you got a name tag right. on, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just at lunch today at, the, at this uh, at this noodle pl- soup place I went to, and I was just getting these weird looks. And, and I'm sort of used to it, and the way it's kind of spooky that I have a sixth sense. Yeah. Like, I know when, like, a half a second before someone comes up to me and says, Hey, putz, you're wearing a name tag. <laughs> like, I know it's going to happen. Like I can, it's the, it's this intuition. Like I can feel it because it's happened a hundred thousand times. Right. And, and I share that because you know, the the question people have to start asking themselves is, am I sticking myself out there? Am I getting out of my comfort zone enough? I mean, maybe getting out of your comfort zone is blogging every day, putting your thoughts out there, even if you're not sure if they're good or valid. You, you just you have to do it because you'd be you'd be surprised at the way people respond to it. it it's a sort of a willingness. To, to just do it, and it tends to work out pretty well. Well, and I, and I imagine there are people out there that said, "Oh man, I can't do that. I can't do that." And then they do it, and they go, "Wow, that was yeah." I mean, that was it, cool. It worked. <laughs> it, it is. It it. But it's like it's like when you do the the first time you do an interview on the radio, you're all right. freaked out, right. and then after the first sentence, it's oh, it's you know, it's no big deal. So yeah. pe- people have to you have to kind of muster up that courage to do it because the cool part is you, you think back like oh. Really? That that's what was holding me back? Wow. And and now you sort of built some small victories in your confidence arsenal and then you start to do stuff like that all the time and and it it doesn't become a strategy anymore. Now it's a sort of it's a way of being. It's just sort of who you are and it permeates everything you do and as a result people notice it because it's interesting. Not because it's different. It's because it's unique. Well, Those and I, words I think different. a little bit of this this what holds people back is is sort of deep seated too. Uh, you know, yeah. you go back to ten years old, and your mom bought you the yellow shirt she thought was really cool, and everybody, <laughs> everybody made fun of you for being the right. kid in the yellow shirt. And you thought, "Whoa, I'm not going to do anything different anymore." Yeah, you're, you're sort of tainted, and especially when it happens prior to the age of eighteen, it, it tends to to run deep in our core for a long time. And and you know, I'll admit that I I know what that's like, and uh, I, I got to believe that the first maybe maybe the first year of wearing a name tag, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I was just getting stared at, made fun of. Like people would come up and rip it off. Like people started fights with me because I was wearing a name tag. And and I don't drink, so you know it wasn't my fault. But like I'd be in college, and it's just unbelievable that apparently some people's sense of self was threatened by a sticker. 
it just kind of blows me away. And what happens, though, over time is you kind of get used to it, and it kind of becomes part of you, and you realize that it's, it's really not that big of a deal. Our, our society tends to sort of freak out when there's this dissonance sociologically. But the cool part is, if, if this is the stuff that nobody really does, that's an opportunity right there. You, you kind of have to do it because people do notice this kind of stuff. And if you can support it with some substance after they notice it, you, you, you'll you win the, the fans forever. Well, and, and that is a great point. I mean, you, you obviously can't just stick yourself out there in an effort to be so different that people talk about right. you. I mean, that is half the right. battle. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people have said, duct tape marketing, what a great name. I had to figure out what that was. Right. Well, that's half the battle. You know, but but then you absolutely then there has to be something not only substance but but I think another real key to success and and I haven't heard you say this before so I, I really find this interesting is that you got to stick with it you got to believe it you got to you know you got to build it it's got to be something that you you know it can't be hey here's a new idea this week I mean it is it right. it is you know it's so core to you that uh, that I I I've, I'm not going to tell people I've seen you with your shirt off. But I do, but but I do know that that the name tag is going to be really tough to rip off, uh, even in a fight, because you've had it tattooed on. I have, and the the cool part about having that on me is because I know at any time if if someone's giving me a hard time or someone's kind of rips off my name tag, I've done this before in public. I will slowly either open or lower the collar of my shirt, and you should see the looks on people's faces, like. Some people carry name tag, or some people carry guns, you know, under their shirt. I carry name tags, and if if you show that to someone, it, it's com- it's completely unarguable, and that's an important point about being unarguable with your commitment to, you know, what your core values are and what your brand is, because people they look at that and they can't. What are they going to say? And I, I've had people that were just really negative and sort of lashing out at me for no reason, and then I show them the tattoo, and they're like, whoa. And they sort of they do a 180, and now they're totally cool. And then the next question is, how many of their friends do you think they're going to tell the next day? Oh yeah. my God, dude! Last night you're not going to believe what this guy that I met. Well, you know, and there 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 is something about even if you don't agree with somebody, uh, if right. if if you there's something about the the that you can accept their point of view sometimes if you really do understand that 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 they believe it and that they you know it's they're not kidding around you know this is something that they have right. at their core and that really is. Uh, I think very, very powerful, and and I'm, and I'm you know part of this whole message. But let's you you wrote recently a post, um, thirty ways to become the most interesting person you know, and and so while we're on this kind of this this idea or this topic of of sticking yourself out there a little bit, I, and I think that's really what was at the essence of this post is that you know sometimes it is uh, enough to just you know. Be more interesting to not be boring you know there's a whole lot of 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 choices uh, uh, out there of businesses we could do business with that are just really boring and yeah. so so you know one of the easiest ways to really stick out or stand out uh, when it comes to your competition is is to to really focus on this idea of being interesting right. so I wondered if you, uh, I just picked a couple of them of the 30 because we won't have time to probably get to all 30 of them but I wondered yeah. if you could kind of riff on them a little bit yeah, I, I want to talk about the about the concept of being interesting because it's it's unbelievably simple. Yet there's some core, almost sort of scientific, sociological uh, entities behind these ideas that we need to embrace. Because I mean, you said it perfectly. This this nature of of being boring, like when you were talking to Seth on that other podcast. I mean, the the question I ask people is, how much money is being boring? 
costing you? Mm. The answer is, is too much because we, we got to understand that boring ideas lose, boring people fade, boring organizations eventually are going to fizzle. So there is this relationship between your success and your level of interestingness. So let's talk a little bit about that. You bet. Which, which ones did you uh, have in mind? Well, let's just start with the first one uh, because uh, I, I think it's sort of provocative. <laughs> um, right. Avoid the always, notice the never. Okay, so there's two words you need. There's an exercise you can do. You take a piece of paper, and on the left you wrote uh, always, on the left column, and on the right you wrote never. And then you think about, let's just say, um, I don't know, John, give me a name of a small business that you work with a lot. What kind of what kind of company? Oh, what type of industry? Let's this, let's say uh, can, let's let's uh, say a home remodeling contractor. Cool. Okay, let's say you're a home remodeling contractor. Okay, so on the left you put always, and you think, and this is not your opinion. This is the customers. Okay, so you think, all right, so my customers, these are these homeowners, these family people. Okay, what is it in their mind that, that they would say, like at a party, man, you know, I, right. I'm tired of those contractors. Those guys always. Well, they never show up on what? time, or they, right, they right. Don't, so, don't clean up the job site. Yeah. Right, right. So, and and I'll I do this exercise in all of my workshops. I'll, whatever type of group it is, I'll have them discuss, and it's always the same answers because these people know what their existing stereotypes are. That's part of doing this is disarming the immediate preoccupation uh, of the of the people that you work with. So, on the left is the always, and then on the right it's the same thing. It's just reversed. So, well, what do they never do? Uh, what, you know, all contractors they never blah, 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 they never, do, they never do that. And now you have a list of, of basically the standard, the norm, the, the boringness of, of what people in your industry do. And then the next step is pretty simple. You just do the opposite. Yeah. So yeah. you have to ask yourself, what are you currently doing that's unpredictable? Because unpredictable and, and the concept of predictability, it's very sociological. It's, no, I'm sorry. It's more anthropological in nature. Because if, if you go back to the, uh, the caveman days, uh, when, when you got the caveman out on the prairie hunting for uh, you know, his mate, he's out there, he's got the big you know, wooden sword or whatever, he, the spear that he's hunting with, and if he's out there and he's in the, he's in the prairie and, and nothing moves, then there's no threat. Because if something moves, it's, it's an elephant or it's a jaguar and it's gonna kill him and he has to throw the spear at it to kill it so there's food. So if there's no movement, then there's no reaction because there's no threat. So if you do the opposite, you realize, well, if there is movement, then you have to pay attention. This is where the human attention span comes from. And all of this sort of comes together in the concept of predictability. If, if they sort of see the same things all the time, they're not going to pay attention. So you have to break people's patterns and be unpredictable. And if you do that, you immediately become twice as interesting. Yeah, and so that can that – can fold into, I mean, this doesn't have to just be the overarching strategy. I mean, you can just have a right. different way to react when somebody calls and yeah. as, as the contractor. Instead of jumping in the truck with your tape measure, you have a whole different process uh, that yeah. maybe they come to your place first or something. There are so many different ways that we can differentiate. We can differentiate through um, our answers. Right. Uh, we, we, the way that we answer a question. I mean, here's a good example. Anytime somebody asks me a question, I usually respond by, well, it depends on how you define the word blank, because I'm, I'm a writer and I'm a wordsmith. So I think that one of the examples, through your answers, through your service, um, through your questions, 
um, through your philosophy. I mean, that's another huge way that all small business people can market their uniqueness and begin to uh, exert their distinctiveness is their philosophy, not not your mission statement, not your, your corporate uh, vision crap. I'm talking about who you are, what you believe, and how you incorporate those core values into the way that you serve people. That is a philosophy, and that is what makes people want to come back because you're not just some regular contractor, for example, you're, oh, no, he's, he's got these five things that he that he practices. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And generally speaking, if, if people are out there saying that, then, you know, price moves down the list, too. Yeah, because if we can find our way to sell value before price, if we can right. sell our philosophy, sell who we are as people, our, our coolness, our, you know, as I call it, being that guy, we can do that first price isn't an issue because they've already bought into all these valuable factors and it's like oh 100 bucks 300 bucks cool let's do it all right i need to move on to one be a uh, be a smoking hot piece of brain candy you knew i was gonna pick that one didn't you well uh it's because you happen to be uh quite a smoking hot piece of brain candy if i may say so john <laughs> well i'm, I'm blushing uh, i'm blushing but but fortunately right. the audience can't see that well not that there's anything wrong with that but I came up with this concept uh, last year. And I, read a, I read a really cool book by DeBono. Uh, it's called How to Have a Beautiful Mind. And like the title alone of that book, I said, I, I got to get this. And I, the concept of being brain candy, I, I did some, a little bit of research. And yes, you can do research on this topic. Because I, I had to do sort of some uh, urban dictionary <laughs> browsing. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, eye candy, we... we we watch E! Hollywood News. We know what eye candy is. We've seen Jessica Simpson enough. Eye candy is actually defined as um, you know high visual appeal with limited substance. That's what. Th- right. That's okay. the actual definition. So right. we we need to learn how to become brain candy. We need to learn how to become someone that has what's called um, Edward Demona calls it psychological attractiveness. Now I'm not talking about being good looking. I'm talking about being attractive, mm-hmm. that that's approachable. That's what it is about being interesting because if you're a smoking hot piece of brain candy, you have tremendous substance. And the cool part is if you're someone who's a piece of brain candy, and I'll share some examples in just a sec, um, as opposed to, you know, looking great, as opposed to, you know, being beautiful in, in the typical term, if your business, if you're, yourself, your brain, if your brain candy, it's enduring, I mean, it lasts forever. It's attractive. It's it's equitable because you you can always become more beautiful, you know, with with your essentially your psychological attractiveness, and it's it's marketable. It's memorable, and and these are the people you want to hang out with. Like I made a list. This was uh, I don't know. I posted this I think the end of last year, and I had the top 20 piece smoking hot pieces of brain candy. And some of these are good friends or mentors of mine. Some of these are people just I happen to know. Some of these are people that I just admire. Like, you know, Seth Godin was up there. Seth mm-hmm. Godin is the most smoking hot piece of brain candy I've ever laid my eyes on. And you think about these people, and you're like, well, what are their characteristics? What do they do? Well, it's about the way they think. Uh, it's about their vocabulary. It's about the questions they ask. And I, I think there's some practices we can put in place to sort of make that our goal. How can I become a more smoking hot piece of brain candy? You know, what questions could I ask my customers that would blow them away and they would think, man, I did not, that's a good, let me think about it, that's a good question. I mean, if you do that, you've, you've just controlled the conversation. You've just uh, differentiated yourself from everyone else out there. So whether it's with your questions or whether it's whatever you do, we can become 
this psychologically attractive person and, you know, Jessica Simpson eat your heart out. Well, and I would suggest without trying to get uh, get us too far down this path, but I would suggest for the types of people uh, that, that the types of customers that a lot of small businesses are trying to attract, there actually becomes a physical attractiveness to this this confidence that I think comes about right. from, from this this brain attractiveness you're talking about. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think, think ironically, it actually makes you better looking. How's that? You know, it does. It's because <laughs> it's because of all the enduring facets of being psychologically attractive. Then, but yeah, but the, and the cool part is, it becomes this sort of external beauty but it's a little bit more natural and there's a lot less makeup all right be radically honest that's got to be uh, one that i think a lot of people on the surface say well yeah okay i understand that but boy you get into business sometimes uh, a little hard to practice isn't it it is uh there's a book that i would recommend every single person in the world reads it's called radical honesty it's written by brad blanton this book blew me away, and it's you know it's exactly what you think it is. It's it's not about being a jerk, uh, you know. It's it's about and honesty isn't just telling the truth. Honesty, it's about honoring your truth as a person and and honoring other people's truth is. And I, I think the advantage of being radically honest is that nobody expects it because we live in such uh, you know a low trust, high dishonesty culture, and a lot of that comes from the top. It comes from our past leaders. Uh, business, political, or otherwise, and it's just the nature of, of our culture where people are sort of on these eggshells and, and they're, they're sort of precariously walking around because they're, they're tired of being lied to. So it's kind of consistent with that first one about avoid the always, notice the never, because I mean, people just don't tell the truth. And it, when you do this, it's, it's almost, it's unexpectedly amazing how people react to it. And I'll give you a good example. Uh, I got a, uh, I got an email, I got, it was, I guess Wednesday of this week, uh, and there's an organization that uh, wanted to hire me to do a workshop for their salespeople, and I was like, cool, you know, it sounds great, I'd, I'd love to talk about it, and, uh, and she said, um, you know, the, the topic that we want to focus on is time management, <laughs> and I said, okay, and so, you know, our salespeople, you know, they have troubling organizing their days, time management, all this kind of stuff, I said, I said, that, I said that sounds like something that's going to be real helpful for them, why did you call me, and she was like, I well, you know, I, I wanted to have you come speak. I, I said, yeah, I know, but I, I, I speak about approachability. You need a time management expert. And I gave her an email. I said, here's three friends of mine that are fantastic speakers. They all have their own sort of philosophy on time management. Why don't you call them? And she was like, oh, my God, wow, that, thank you. And she was, you know, she said, I appreciate your honesty. And the, the lesson to be learned within this example is even when you say no, you're still marketing. And yeah, this is an example absolutely. of, of it's, a, it's a radically honest thing. And the cool part is you, you can be radically honest in that sort of um, venue, and you still position yourself as a resource. So I'm confident that maybe next year or, you know, a couple of years down the road, she's going to say, you know, I remember that one guy, Scott, yeah, he, he was the wrong fit, and he said no and gave us that guy, Shelly, or that he was really fantastic. But let's call him again. I, we appreciated his integrity. That's what people notice. That's what's interesting. Be well, radically honest. Well, and from a practical standpoint, there, you know, a lot of times we need to be saying no to business. We can't really do a very good job with anyway because, you know, what's, right. what's the upside, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, right. you're going to go out and spend weeks trying to research time management so you can give a good right. speech about it, and then you really won't be very good anyway, right? Right. You know, why, why improve your weaknesses? Right. Give someone who's got that as a strength and maintain your integrity and consistency, and they'll come back when they're ready for you. So let's, uh, let's do one more. Create points right. of, of dissonance. 
Okay, I talked a little bit about this earlier, uh, kind of sociologically, uh, anthropologically, and this is something, I guess everything that, that I've sort of been able to do and, and to become in the past nine years of wearing a name tag is, I, I, just, I sort of just do stuff. I, I, I'm a very impatient person by nature, and, and when I say that, I don't mean like I get mad when people cut me off in traffic, but what I mean is I just go. I, I don't feel the need to get permission to do stuff. I just, I just do it. So over the years, I've just done stuff, and now I have to sort of look back and say, okay, I've been doing this for nine years. And why did this happen? And, you know, and in terms of, of a philosophy, it's, it's orthopraxy. It's about the right practices. And the practice I've learned for the point of dissonance, as it's called, is in marketing, you have to create this moment, this point, whether it's in a conversation, on a blog, you know, wherever, where someone has to stop and look up and go, huh? See, most people in marketing say, well, you got to get the aha moment. Yes, but later. The first thing you need to do is get people to say, what? Because curiosity is a natural, uh, a natural motivator of human engagement. So when someone's curious, that makes you more approachable because they sort of have to come up to you and find out. So the huh comes first. And that's sort of, as we talked about earlier, kind of the shtick, kind of, the, kind of grab their attention. And then you would explain kind of what the deal is or what the product is or what the message is. And then comes the, oh. So it's a three-step process. It's, huh? And then you explain the value statement, and then they go, oh. And I'll give you a great example that's got nothing to do with me. Uh, there's a guy named John Moore. Uh, he's a consultant, speaker, writer. Uh, he's fantastic. And I, I had heard about him a few years ago because someone emailed me and said, dude, you got to check out this guy's blog. He, uh, he wears a lab coat whenever he goes to conferences and whenever he you know, travels around for his work. And I said, cool. Is, is he a doctor? They go, no, no, check it out. And I go, all right. So I look at the picture of this guy, and here's this, uh, you know, this sort of regular-looking guy. He's, uh, he's got a lab coat on. And you, so, so sort of at first sight, you think, all right, you know, he's a doctor of some sort. And that's what people think. And you know, he wears a lab coat all the time. And they sort of come up to him, and they say, are you a doctor? And if you look closely on the, uh, uh, the uh, embroidery on his lab coat, it says John Moore, Brand Autopsy Marketing Practice. Yeah, I've seen so, I've seen John, and um, you know, over the years, he was an early on blogger that I yeah, uh, networked yeah. with, and uh, um, yeah, I'm 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 familiar with his, and and you know, that's uh, certainly an interruption, you know, that gets people's attention. Absolutely, it is, and uh, it, you know, you don't have to wear a name tag every day, you don't have to wear a lab coat, but you have to find some way, even if it's as simple as so. What do you do? Because we get that question a hundred times a day, and you know what? People don't care what you do. They don't. They're asking to be nice. They do not care what you do. They do not care about you. However, you can call their bluff. When they say, what do you do, you can answer in a way that makes them go, really? Because now they do care. Yeah. So let's say you're a, you know, a, a construction worker, or, or not, I'm sorry, a, a contractor. And someone says, uh, you know, so, so James, what do you do? You say, you know, you, you could say, you know, I, I make families' dreams come true. Or, um, you know, I hammer things all day. Or whatever you want to use, you can come up with a sentence 
you can come up with a response that make people go, huh? Yeah, and we, you explain it. We, we actually have a process. We call it your talking logo, and that's exactly what we do in duct tape marketing is answer what you, know, what you do for a living, and that's your talking logo. And so I'll, gi- I'll give you another example. That when somebody asks a duct tape marketing coach what they do for a living, they say, I install marketing systems. And, yeah. and yeah. it's not terribly sexy, but it, all, no. it does have the impact of somebody saying, really? <laughs> Tell me more about that because I need a marketing system, and I've never heard a marketing person talking about installing it. Um, Yeah, that's that's part of it. And that that so you kind of have that the the the, what we call the talking logo that forces them to say, "Really, tell me more," um, as opposed to saying, "If I say, you know, I'm a marketing consultant," it's like, "Oh yeah, I got one of those. I know what that is." Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, that's what everyone says, and it's yeah, it's this point of dissonance where you could say, "Well, I work with individuals and organizations." No one cares. You have two seconds. Two seconds. And you make a good point, John, about um, the odd juxtaposition of unrelated words. Um, And that's always a great way to to set it up. You know, because like a lot of people, if if they'll ask me about, oh, so so you do consulting and coaching too? And they say, yeah, I'm a writing coach. And now that, for most people, unless you're a writer, is like, you're a writing coach. Like horses? I'm like, no, 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 writing. Because you wouldn't think you would coach someone to write, but you know a lot of my clients are writers. So you have it right there, the the talking logo. I, you know what? I'm writing that down. <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it's on page uh, 187 of Duct Tape Marketing. If you okay, want to I'll, I'll go get my book then. Yeah, and I'll well, you probably just have highlighted so much of it that uh, you missed that part somehow. <laughs> It's possible. Hey, tell me about your new book that's coming out uh, that you uh, yeah. you said uh, is uh, showed up in its uh, shiny new wrapper. Oh man, I, you know, you work so hard on a book, and as a writer, your you know your books are your babies. So when I get when I get my copies of the book, like it's it's just the greatest feeling in the world. And so the first thing I do when I open the box is I take one out and I smell it, because <laughs> I I don't know I, I like smelling things. What can I say? And it's 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 just it smells great. Anyway, well, there's something um, about that fresh ink on paper yeah, and, yeah. Know, that we'll we'll never be able to recreate in our iPod yeah. reading, but uh, but that's another story. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's you know, it's the smell of accomplishment, and uh, I worked real hard on it, and I'm excited because um, this is my eighth book, and it's essentially a combination of my previous seven books, but on steroids. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, well, yeah, absolutely. But I, I'll tell you how the book came about because this is kind of cool. Um, last summer, I think it was last summer, maybe it was last spring. Uh, Quentin Tarantino came out with a movie. It was called Grindhouse. And it was a double feature. It had Death Proof uh, and then uh, Hard to Kill. It, it was these, these two movies. There was a zombie movie, and then there was like an action movie, one with Kurt Russell. It was, it was cool. And it, it was a double feature, so you pay, you know, eight bucks, and you, you sit you're there for three hours. It's two movies. And I, apparently they used to do that back in the day, way before my time, um, and no one, no one really does that anymore. So in and of itself, it was a cool sort of marketing tip. Um, and then the movies were great also. But I walked out of that movie and I thought, huh, a double feature. I wonder if anyone's ever done a double feature book, you know, two books in one, somehow related. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. So I wanted to write a book, you know, a marketing book about all the stuff I've learned of how I've miraculously made a career out of wearing a name tag. And, uh, and the philosophy I had behind Stick Yourself Out There was, well, if you stick yourself out there, if you do these different practices and strategies, what happens is you start to get them to come to you. you know, and by, by them, I mean customers, clients, sure. opportunities, uh, 
the media also very important and it becomes i mean that's that's what approachability is that you know they're coming to you it's this sort of two-way street so uh, i took all the best stuff i had about marketing and branding and, and a lot of entrepreneurial ideas uh, and i put them together and essentially i have um, what i've sort of coined as a, a flip-flop book and in business nonfiction, I'm pretty sure it's never been done before. Uh, I know some uh, some kids' books have done it, but essentially, um, you know, it's a hardcover book, and it's two books in one. And the first book, book number one, is called Stick Yourself Out There. So you read, I think it's like 110 pages, 130 pages of how to do this, the concept of sticking yourself out there. And then halfway through the book, there's instructions in the middle of the book that says, stop right now, flip this book over. So you flip it over uh, 180 degrees, and then you read the second book, which is called Get Them to Come to You. And you talk about the process of, uh, of approachability and of uh, attraction from a marketing standpoint. And then the cool part is when the book's done, you flip it 90 degrees, and you actually read it sort of horizontally, and the book finishes in the middle. <laughs> it's I, awesome. I, I absolutely guarantee you. I haven't seen a book like that. So. Uh, again, yeah. another way of differentiating yourself, a whole new, whole new right. uh, concept of, of how a book is consumed. Yeah, I mean, who, I mean, no one's seen the book yet because I literally just got it. Like, the only person that saw it was my girlfriend. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't really seen reactions to it yet, but I know I've, I already got to believe that when people see a book like this, they're going to flip it over and say, whoa, wait, there's two covers on it. I'm like, that's right. There is no back cover. It's two books in one. And and it's really you, you understand it's labeled accordingly so you know book one, book two, but people can't not show that to somebody. And, like, and, and where, where's somebody listening to this going to be able to pick this up, Scott? Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's on nametagtv.com. It's on hellomyamescott.com. I mean, it's all over there. Um, yeah, you can buy it online. And I, I, I'm, I haven't done officially launching yet. I'm just kind of a soft launch for now. But it's going to, um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of media coverage and doing some interviews. So you'll, you'll probably read about it uh, on various uh, publications. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's killer. And it's, you know, consistent with what we've talked about today, John. It's, it's not just the shtick of, oh, yeah, it's two books in one. That's kind of clever. Well, yeah, but the content is unbelievable. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. I'm saying that because this is the best stuff I got, and this is not stuff that I've done. This is stuff I've learned, and this is stuff that works. And if you want to get noticed, get remembered, and get business, if you want to become the most interesting person you know, if you want to become the most interesting company in your industry, the practices in this book will help you do that. Well, Scott, we have run kind of long for my normal uh, episode here, huh. but uh, but I could go on for a long time with you. You you really have such great things to share, and you're so Thanks. willing to share and generous, and I, I, I know we'll do it again. It is my pleasure. And also, John, I, I forgot to mention, um, every time I do an interview, I like to offer all the listeners um, a special uh, resource just because I, like, I wish we had more time, too. Mm -hmm. So um, if, you, you, if you want, like, because when you post the podcast um, – for the people listening, uh, I have a list called uh, 99 Ways to be to Think Like an Entrepreneur, Even If You Aren't. Uh, and it's just a, just a real simple list of some excellent strategies. Um, if you want to copy a list, just send me an email, um, and then I'll send you a copy of the list, and you, you'll, I'll tell you where to get a hold of it. And it's, uh, it's a great resource to, to thank you for listening in. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll actually have that link in the show notes as well uh, for okay, people cool. listening if they want to come get it too. So. Always Mark. great to visit with you, and I'm certain we will visit again soon, my friend. Cool, man. Go Cardinals.